0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this Sunday, the Sunday of the uh, publican and the Pharisee, starts the beginning of the Triodion, so now we're preparing for uh, for Great Lent. And what I want to start with today is an anecdote um, about G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if you know G.K. Chesterton. He was an English writer um, early in the 20th um, century, and um, very witty, uh, wrote lots lots and lots of books. He was prolific. Um, But this is a story about him, and I think it kind of broadly sums up what today's gospel reading is is about. So there's a story about G.K. Chesterton that around 1908, uh, the London Times asked him and a number of other well-known authors to write an article answering the question, what's wrong with the world? And Chesterton's response was to send a brief letter that just said, dear sir, regarding your article, what is wrong with the world? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. So I mean, I think that pretty much sums up the, our, what our attitude ought to be, based on what the gospel reading says today. The problems with the world, all the things that are outside us, there are plenty of things that are wrong, but ultimately, we need to be dealing with ourselves first and leaving other things that are often out of our control to God. So Actually, with the story, if, I'm not sure if you know him, but there's no, there's no evidence he actually ever, ever sent a letter like that to uh, the London Times. But if you ever read his work, you would think that that was absolutely possible he did, uh, based on what he said. So perhaps just even having that idea in our mind, um, as St. Paul did when he wrote, um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am first. He wrote that 1 Timothy 1.15. Just that idea itself may be a good way, just having it in our minds is a good way to start to prepare for Great Lent. But I think we can dig a little bit uh, deeper into this story um, of the publican and the Pharisee and see what we can get a little bit more out of it. Because even from Chesterton's kind of, the little quote that I gave there, you can see that um, he was given the opportunity, you know, what's wrong with the world? He was given the opportunity to blame anybody and anything about what's wrong with the world. But instead of doing that, he pointed the finger directly at himself and said, let me deal with the plank that's in my own eye, okay? Um, so I think that um, we can look a little bit deeper into this and see what, the, what this story is about, particularly what the Pharisee and the publican, those two figures, what they show us. The, fa- the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, of course, puts the, the idea in a different way. But I think that Christ's choice of these two figures um, is instructive for us. There were a number of different um, sects or different factions around in the, in the Jewish world at the time of Christ. Um, and they had varying beliefs about a number of different issues. And so one of the main things was that when the um, second temple was built after the Babylonian captivity, when they came back, the presence of God didn't come down on that temple in the same way as it had when the tabernacle had been consecrated and when the first uh, temple had been consecrated. And everybody kind of knew this, so there was a lot of debate and speculation about what that meant and what that would, what that would mean for the future of, of Israel. Um, and so, according to Father Stephen DeYoung, um, whose blog is quite good, it's called The Whole Council of God, and he has other recordings as well on different, uh, different uh, parts of the Gospels and, and different books... But he talks about these different sects and he said that um, one thing about the Pharisees was that they really believed that the Messiah would come when all of the Jewish people were obeying the law. This was their idea. All of the Jewish people had to be obeying the law before the Messiah would come, okay? Obviously, that's a generalisation perhaps about the Pharisees, but nonetheless, there was this very strong idea that this was the case. Um, when everybody started to started to obey the law, then the Messiah would come and, you know, God would return to his temple and Israel would return to its former glory. This was their kind of idea. So clearly then, if you have that kind of idea about how people should be behaving, then anybody who is not keeping the law becomes like an enemy. They're preventing the Messiah from coming back. They're preventing the restoration of of Israel's kind of, you know, former glory. Um, And they have to be kind of dealt with in some way. So you can see this very often in the way the Pharisees are treated in the Gospels. Um, For one thing, um, when John is baptising in the Jordan, we, we learn that the Pharisees don't accept the baptism of John because they already believe that they're righteous, they're fulfilling the law, they're doing what's required for the Messiah to come back, right? They don't need repentance, this is one thing that you see from them. Um, another thing we see from them is all the, the little things they walk around talking about, you know, don't pick heads of grain on the Sabbath, don't do this, don't do that. They're nitpicking all the time because, they, because in their minds, even these little infractions are important because it's, it's opposed to the, to the, the purpose that they, they want, the return of the Messiah and the restoration of Israel. Um, they even made kind of barriers or buffers around different laws to make them more difficult to break. You know that they made, uh, you know, how far can you walk on the Sabbath before it comes work? becomes work? All these kind of ideas. So, um, you know, it's a very strong tendency for them to be very, very nitpicky about lots and lots of different things. And we see even St. Paul himself. Remember, St. Paul was a Pharisee. And um, he was watching with approval when St. Stephen was stoned. So, um, you know, St. Stephen, even Christ himself, was seen as enemies because they were, they, they were perceived by the Pharisees to be blasphemed and so on. They're kind of enemies. They're preventing this restoration of Israel. Um, so we often see that they're treating other people in this way. They're kind of treating them as enemies, as people who need to be dealt with severely, in order for Israel to be uh, restored. So it's not surprising when we hear the Pharisee say, as he prays, God, I give thanks that I am not like these other people, swindlers, unrighteous people, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all that I get. We see that attitude there very, very strongly. Other people are the problem, everyone else is doing the wrong thing. I'm good, I'm doing what's needed. We have to deal with all these other people they're the problem so pride and we see it explained here exemplified as christ is doing this in this in this parable pride can look very pious he's doing all the right things according to the law according to what he's reading the law anyway the pharisees were certainly proud of their fulfillment of the letter of the law but what was the fruit of that piety the hatred of those that they considered to be sinners and very often the justification of violence against them. Pride is the enemy of love. And really what we see here is the main problem. That Pharisee, the Pharisee, does not love the publican. Clearly, he doesn't love the publican. The publican is an enemy. He's someone to be dealt with strongly. He doesn't love him. If he really did love the publican, when he saw him beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, he would have rejoiced at his side, as the angels do when sinners repent, when they come back to God. But we don't see that. Instead, we see derision and self-justification. So the parable is telling us, if we look a bit deeper, not only is pride kind of bad and humility is good, which is true, but more importantly, it's also saying that we must love one another. You must love one another. Even those that we disagree with, and in this case, obviously, a publican going into the temple, what kind of a picture is that? You know, a tax collector going into the temple. There's a juxtaposition of images there that don't quite fit. It's an outcast coming into the temple. And the Pharisee who thinks he should be there. We've got all these things going on. So, um, yeah, they disagree fundamentally their lives disagree, their attitudes disagree. But, even so, we must love one another. Only on that basis can we transcend the differences that we have for God, because we must remember that God loves all of mankind, not just the people that we may think, you know, have somehow made it into that circle of God's friends. So, Just as another aside, I mean, St. John writes in his gospel, anyone who says that they love God but hates their brother is a liar. And also St. John says in the same gospel that the devil is is a liar and the father of lies, and so we should have no illusions as to where that path actually leads. At the other extreme, we see the publican, who knows that he's a sinner, and even though he's ashamed of himself, he comes to the temple to pray, and ask for mercy. And we can all relate, I think, to the publican if we, like Chesterton said, we answer that question, what's wrong with the world, with an emphatic I am, expensive house, surrounded by his kind of ill-gotten wealth, and feeling sorry for himself and you know wondering how his life has turned out this way. He actually does something. He gets up, goes to the temple, and he prays for mercy. He repents, goes and prays for mercy. Like him, it's not enough for us just to feel sorry for our sin. We need to do something about it. Now, that does not mean that doing something about it, it doesn't make God forgive us. God's willing to forgive us whenever we come and confess our sins to him. But our lives need to be put on the right trajectory. We're all walking one way or another. We're walking towards the kingdom of God or we're somehow moving away from it there's no, there's no place where it's neutral. We're never standing still. And so we always have to remember that we're going one way or the other. We're on a trajectory in life. We're on a path in life. And we have to walk it. That means action. That means doing something. So the tools that the church has given us um, are exactly for this purpose. We have confession, okay, where not only do we confess our sins, but we hear from our, spirit, from our spiritual father or the priest. We may hear words of instruction or advice that may help us on our path, um, almsgiving, fasting, the Eucharist, scripture reading, and, of course, prayer. All of those things are given to us to form us. They will help us to stay on the path that leads towards the kingdom of God. So if we're doing them, of course, we're doing the right things. But the Pharisees, of course, were doing those things, right? The Pharisees were fasting, the Pharisees were tithing, they were doing all that stuff, but there was a big problem because they are to no avail. They don't help us at all if we don't love our neighbour as ourselves. It's really important that that other part is there or otherwise doesn't work. It only leads to pride. So this task that we have before us that is learning to love one another in humility. It's a hard task. It's very difficult. But we need to face that task with persistence and courage. And as we prepare to go through Great Lent, there'll be plenty of opportunities for us to display courage and persistence um, in repenting and trying to love one another. Because life itself will provide us with lots of chances to do this in abundance as we go through the ups and downs of of Great Lent, okay, in the circumstances of our lives, but if we take all those circumstances in the right way, if we look at them as opportunities to look at ourselves, to turn away from things that we are holding us back and so on and keep moving forward on the path towards the kingdom of God, if we take those things in the right way, so we're not going to blame, not blaming everything else for our own difficulties, um, not looking everywhere else and always Asking God for help and His mercy. If we're doing those things, then we're going to find that God is always close at hand and He'll help us along the way. So may God give us strength and help us on the way as we prepare for the coming
1: struggle. you